Hey, Jimbo, you ready for this deal? Iron hole. Old stories like long lost friends. Rodeos and late night bends. History before our time. Round pens and pasture rides. Cowboys of the Osage. Howdy, friends and neighbors. Time once again for the Cowboys of the Osage podcast with your host, Jimbo Snively and Cody Garnett. Now let's sing a little bit about it. Cowboys of the Osage, riding once again. Always got some time for the friend. Here they are, the Cowboys of the Osage. Howdy, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Cowboys of the Osage podcast, brought to you by the Ben Johnson Cowboy Museum and the Buck and Flamingo Turquoise Shop, both located in historic downtown Pahuska, Oklahoma. It's also brought to us by Jimbo. He's got a couple songs on a CD. Oklahoma Mike, get you a copy of it. Jimbo, he's a big-time songwriter now. So we got to support Jimbo, what everything he's doing, too. Hey, Jimbo, good to see you. Who do we have this morning? Hey, Cody, boy, it's another great day in the Osage, man. And Cody, we got Mr. Jay Linderman with us. And, you know, there isn't a more iconic name in rodeo than Linderman. I mean, you can talk about the Green O's or the Wright Brothers or, or the Coopers or the Shoulder, ain't it? But there's nothing any more uh, rodeo than the Lindermans. And he's a nephew to the great Bill and Bud Linderman. His dad, Walt Linderman, was a nine times NFR Bulldogger, one of the best ever. And, uh, of course, Bill was a two-time all-around champion, bareback champion, steer wrestling champion, and saddle bronc champion. And his great-uncle Bud was the bareback riding champion in 1945. So just a historic family. And we're going to get into all that. And Jay, Bulldog, too, pretty good. So we're going to get into all that. And he's coming to us from Ten Sleep, Wyoming. Wow. Ain't that a hell of a name. It is. Jay, welcome to the Cowboys of the Osage podcast. Well, how are you folks this morning? Man, we're nice doing, talking to you. We're doing wonderful. Good. Jay, what was it like growing up as a Linderman? Well, you know, I suppose early childhood was pretty normal. Um, you know, I, I uh, my folks, well, at least my dad, expected me to to, to rodeo, and um, I, I didn't. Took, took me quite a while to get hooked on it. I. Um, I started late, late, late in high school and continued on through uh, through college at Montana State University. And I bowled out good enough; they messed around, gave me a little scholarship, so I stayed there and and and, and rodeoed in the in the collegiate rodeos for four years and and uh, didn't quite hit my stride till I got out of college. And then I started winning some, and I had a pretty good team of horses, and we went down the road some. Uh, but, uh, growing up as a kid, um, spent most of my early childhood with my maternal grandparents. You know, Walter was on the road. I didn't right. see him, but only 30 days out of the year, my mother had to have a job to keep his, to keep him on the road. Cause right. early on, early on, he didn't win much. Right. 
So, um, typical yeah, and, radio and, cowboy and, uh, Yeah. Yeah. And, and early on, and probably what caused me not to go down the road and rodeo as much as, uh, there was an old family friend managed a huge ranch between Red Lodge and Belfry, Montana. And he started picking me up in the second grade on uh, weekends. And I went up there every weekend, every summer, I'm through college. And, and, and I liked the ranching aspect of being a cowboy better than I did the rodeo aspect. Uh, you know, once I figured out the girls like bulldoggers then rodeo got a little better, <laughs> but, uh, I spent most of my time on a ranch, you know, growing up or, and that was my, uh, that was my chosen profession for 35 years. Right. Did you do any rough stock like your uncle's? <laughs> this is a funny story. I must've been about 12, 13 years old. My dad decided to put me in the junior bareback riding at Cheyenne, Wyoming. And I had never had my hand in a bareback rigging. Now the, the fix was in because Bill Linderman was one of the judges and Jim Tesher, <laughs> Jim Tesher was the other judge. And all I had to do was stay on. Well, I had a case of round ass and we, we fell off at about two seconds and, and, uh, you know, Walter, he was pretty disappointed I didn't win the buckle. And, hell, it went so fast, I didn't know what went on. <laughs> you didn't even know you rode one, did you? That's right. <laughs> hey, Jimbo, we have one of those buckles from the junior bareback riding of Cheyenne right here in the museum, believe it or not. Really? Was that the one Justin won? Or? Yeah, one Justin. Oh, Alan Keller signed his permission slip to uh, do it, Justin Patterson. <laughs> and he won. He got spanked it in front of, uh, yeah. in front of all his friends by his mom. Well, I bet there's still a crater in the arena floor at Cheyenne where my butt hit. <laughs> they said that was pretty wild, that junior bareback riding they had there at Cheyenne. You know, they were they were POAs. They weren't ponies. They were pretty good size. And, and I got a picture, and it ain't nothing to be proud of. That's for damn sure. <laughs> <laughs> I got to imagine them half of them ran off, and they were running off fast in that big arena. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and, Heck, I'd never been on a bareback horse, never been on anything that bucked at that point in my life. But uh, you know, when I was, was about a, that age, they uh, they didn't have the junior bareback riding there at Cheyenne anymore. But we all roped the dummy underneath the announcer stand. Oh, sure. I, I yeah. spent most of my time over there at the carnival, hanging out with the carnies. <laughs> <laughs> a good training one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, did did you and your dad's career overlap at all? I mean, did you get the haze for him or anything? Well, you know, I did, and I wish it would have overlapped more. Um, I um, I always said if, if I'd have been a little bit older and could have went with him hazing, uh, he might have won you know one or more world championships because uh, we were similar in build and we wanted our steers the same way. And Dad had a tendency to have guys that were six five hazing for him. Of course, they hazed steers like they wanted them, not how Walter wanted them. I got albums of pictures with Benny Reynolds and Harley May and Jack Roddy hazing for my dad, and he's jumping halfway across the arena. Right. right. And and uh, I, I always wished I'd have been a little bit older, uh, you know, to go with him. That, you know, it, was, um, it, it must have been about 76, Dad got hurt pretty bad and had to quit bulldogging. But there was two or three years there where I hazed for him whenever I was, whenever we were together, right. we went to a few, few rodeos together. But, uh, at the, at the time in Montana, 
there was an association called the Northern Rodeo Association, and it was bigger and paid more money than the fledgling Montana summer circuit. And, and, and so that's, that's where I spent my time and all of my friends were in there. And of course I had a girlfriend who breakaway rope and Northern Rodeo Association had breakaway rope. And so that's where we went. So dad and our, my rodeos never crossed over much, but once in a while we'd enter a PRCA rodeo and, uh, and I get to haze for him. Sound like you followed that girl more than you did your dad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got to have your priorities, right, you know. Right. But I re- I remember one time at a place called Racetrack Montana. Uh, Benny and Benny Reynolds and my dad had a match bareback riding and bulldogging, and of course, uh, you know, they didn't spend a lot of time organizing it. So I ended up being the pickup man and the hazer for both of them. <laughs> but well, that's a pretty neat yeah. match, a Linderman. Benny Reynolds. Yeah, I, go ahead. I don't even remember who won. I I I, rem- I, I just stayed on the Hazen horse. He was also the pickup horse that day. Now, ben, uh, tell us about Benny a little bit. He he was from up in that country too, wasn't he? Benny lived at the in the southwestern part of the state. Yeah, uh, little grew up a little town called Melrose. Had a had a ranch in Twin Bridges, Montana. Um, uh, him and my dad traveled together. Quite a bit early. They owned a team of bulldogging horses together. Nice little bulldogging mare. We called her Mama. And I don't remember the year, but uh, at uh, uh, Marysville, California. Steer run over to the fence. I don't remember who the bulldogger was, but Steer run over to the fence, and Mama tried to get between them. She hit her head on a post and killed herself right there in the arena. Wow. Well, the, the and 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 at the time, Dad was using Scotty, his future famous bulldogging horse, as a hazing horse. Well, they didn't have a bulldogging horse in, so they got the pickup man to be the hazer, and they put Scotty on the bulldogging side, and Walter win the bulldogging at the first rodeo that they used Scotty as a bulldogging horse, and you know from there on it was history. Well, Scotty, that that horse is in the Hall of Fame, right? Scotty made the the uh, the PRCA Hall of Fame, yeah. Colorado Springs, in 2016. He at that time he was the third steer wrestling horse inducted, and part of that's my fault. I didn't know the procedure. Uh-huh. Uh, Scotty should Scotty should have been nominated years and years before. But the other two horses, one was Baby Doll, of course, and the other one was Peanuts, who belonged to Cr Cr Jones. Right. Uh, you know, both both awesome bulldogging horses. Right. And now they've added another one. Uh, Roy Duval's horse, Whiskey, got in here a couple of years ago. Well, Scotty, uh, your dad rode Scotty and, and did real well on him. But also he had three world, what I've got here, three world championships won on by other bull, bulldoggers. Right? Yeah, Perfect. that's that's that, that's true. There was, a, well, John W. win one. Uh-huh. Uh, no, John W. Yeah, yeah, John W. win one, Harley May win two, and Jack Roddy win one. So there was actually four, and even a, even a more impressive uh, uh, fact is that there were six NFR averages won on Scotty, five consecutive. Wow! And you know, and 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 at the time, gosh, if if Sean Davis would have been managing the National Finals Rodeo back then, he'd have had a fit because. There were three years Dad had seven of the 15 bulldoggers, you know, so that really slowed down the bulldogging because they'd have to, you know, catch Scotty, bring him back, give him a chance to blow a little bit, change the stirrups, get back on. Yeah. But over over the course 
of the 10 years that Scotty went to the NFR, he made 500 runs at the NFR. Wow. He, he averaged five, five star wrestlers a year over those 10 years. And, uh, you know, they, they, uh, they, they, they won the NFR average. Uh, one year, Frank Shepperson actually went second, and that was the same year that Walter won the NFR average. Uh, but yeah, Scotty was phenomenal, and the, the the more runs he had on him, the stronger he'd get. And he, and he was a big horse. Scotty was fifteen three, weighed twelve hundred pounds. You know, that's big for a bulldog horse. Right. Sounds like Scotty put a lot of meat and potatoes on the table. Well, he he was the grocery maker that, back guess. then. You bet. Yeah, Scotty got better care than me and my sister sometimes, I said. yeah. Well, we had a few of them growing up too, Jimbo. Yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah. Talk about Jack Roddy a minute. He was from California, wasn't he? Yeah, Jack was from California, good good friend of the family. Um, I guess he lives in Texas now. Yeah. Uh, him and my mother used to talk a lot. He used to call. I don't know where, how Jack's health is, but. Haven't heard from him for a while, but yeah, he was a good family friend. I always heard he was, could really bulldog too. He could bulldog, yeah. Of course, you know, six three, six yeah. four, six yeah. five. You know, he stretched out there, had a lot of leverage, right. and uh, you know, he could bulldog. Yeah. California really produced a lot of bulldoggers, believe it or not, through the years. It seemed yeah. like, yeah, Bob yeah. Marshall comes to mind to me. <laughs> All the way to the current yeah. with, you know, Luke Brinquino. He was a dominant force the last several years. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, and, and now there's uh, – uh, what's the new kid's name that's winning all this uh, uh, world's championships so, in California? Yeah. Uh, Ch- Tyler Waggis back, yeah. 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 yeah some pretty, and then, you know, John W. Jones Jr. came from there. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, another three-, four-time world's champion. Tough, tough bulldoggers down there. Yeah. And and that's where uh, you know we we lived in San Diego for a while. My my dad was rodeoing part time and and had a job managing a rental housing track in San Diego. And that's how Dad got tangled up with all the he called them California prune pickers. <laughs> but that's how he got tangled up with all them guys. And where he eventually uh, bought Scotty. Um, Scotty was a was a um, an outlaw. Um, you know, little, lots of pretty famous people owned him. Uh, Harley May won him in a in a raffle at Cal Poly, uh, and that's when he was a cold. He ended up selling him to Sammy Thurman, the bell racer, who couldn't handle him. John W. owned him, and they couldn't get anything done with him. Uh, and so then Dad bought him as a hazen horse uh, from a guy by the name of Walter Scott in California. Walter Scott was a stuntman for the movies down there. He rodeoed quite a bit, but anyway, Scotty come available for sale, and and uh, of course, Dad didn't have sixteen hundred dollars, so he went to C.R. Jones and borrowed the sixteen hundred to to buy Scotty, right. and then and then C.R. later ended up owning another fat, famous horse, uh, Peanuts. Huh. Why did they make so him? A, a, was it because he's so big? The reason they started him out as a hazing horse and didn't think of him as a dog and horse, or or why? Well, didn't didn't need him, you know the, the little him. mare, yeah. the little the little mare mama that Benny and Dad owned together, a fantastic horse, just fantastic. Right. And you know, once she died, they were in trouble. So it's you know just by, by chance that that they moved Scotty over to the other side. Didn't seem to bother him much, but. What's interesting is, 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 you know, Scotty could run, and he was big enough to take a, take a lot of runs. But 
for years, he wouldn't change leads. And you, a bulldog and got to switch into that left lead as you're getting down. So he gets away from you and set your feet right. Right. So, uh, so dad went to Waxahachie, Texas, took Scotty with him. James Bynum. And yeah, that's right. And Jim had a arena that was deep, deep sand. And they were there about a week and they'd run a hundred stairs a day on Scotty and they couldn't get him to change leads. Well, as the week went on, Scotty got tired and it was easier to switch leads than not. And he finally started switching leads because he was tired. And then, and once he started, he just kept doing it. And, uh, and then from there on, that's when Scotty really hit his stride and, you know, and, and you know, had, had all the NFR bulldoggers and won all those championships on him. Wow. Funny how such stuff works out sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, and, and, you know, the reason dad went to Jim Bynum is he was a, he was at a loss, didn't know what to do. Right. You know, he get Scotty to switch. So he hauled him down there and, Jim said, let's just run the son of a gun until he gets tired. And they did. And it worked. Yeah. Yeah. James Bynum, when I was a kid, he was the, when he come on TV or, or at the rodeo, that's the guy you wanted to watch Bulldog because he was, yeah. he, he might throw one in three or four sometimes, you know, if everything worked out right. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I'm sure I was around him, but I was a pretty young kid and right. I don't remember him. Right. But, you right. know, I read everything I could find about him. Yeah. But, what did his business card say, Jimbo? Well, I can't remember. You'll have to find it. He I'm a, looking for it right now. I sent it to you a while I know. Back. He had a funny business card. Oh, it's right card. here. This is what uh, J- James Big Jim Bynum's business card said. May Pearl, Texas. <laughs> World traveler, international lover, last of the big spenders, world's champion steer wrestler. <laughs> James Big Jim Bynum. That's the business card he handed out to everybody. <laughs> yep. Oh, man. <laughs> You know, I spent a little time in San Diego one time, Jimbo. I landed there for a year or two building playgrounds, and I was driving back and forth to rodeos at the same time. Wow. But I spent most of my time down there in a, a little town called Tijuana. I, yeah. I hung out down there quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, you know, this this uh, this guy that owned these rental housing tracks, he was a big rodeo fan, and so he hired rodeo cowboys to run these tracks for him. And, you know, there was Canadian Bob Robinson and uh, Eddie Acreage. Um, there was uh, half a dozen of them guys down there managing those rental housing tracks for him. Huh. It's just funny how cowboys, they'll find a guy like that and they'll all just flock to him. I just, I've seen it happen a yep. million times. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, those guys were, you know, there weren't as many rodeos back then as there are now. Those guys needed another source of income. I, I guess they were pretty good jobs. Uh, I ended it? up going to. They got a good client to hang to, out when they're not rodeoing well, in that type part of the world too. I remember that part of it. You know, I was in junior high back then, and, and I uh, I enjoyed it. We had a good time down there, and we finally ended up moving back to Montana. Hmm. Yeah. Had you had you? What about those big ranches you you worked on up there? I, I was reading well, some of those cattle drives and stuff you went on. You know, <laughs> pretty. You know, it was. It was quite a trip. You know, I, I grew up on that ranch in Red Lodge and, uh, and rodeoed on weekends and, you know, it, I wasn't doing justice to either. So about 1984, I quit bulldogging and I, 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 I ended up uh, being able to manage a ranch for the owner of the Miami Dolphins in Ennis, Montana. 
nice little ranch, 500 head, not very big, but it was a good place to, to you know, get some my legs underneath me. And then we just kept moving up. Uh, there was a big uh, 2,500 mother cow ranch at uh, Boulder, Montana, and I was there about five, six years. And, and then I had to get out of Montana. Uh, or go to the penitentiary in Deer Lodge. So I, my mother made my mother made me leave Montana, and then that, that's that, that's when I really kind of hit a lick. I went to Florida, spent spent a year there. Ended up in uh, in uh, College Station, Texas, managing a ranch for a family out of Italy. And uh, you know it was a good ranch, and I loved Texas. Uh, we were close to a little town called Snook, and it was a Czechoslovakian town, and they made the best damn kolaches. I could have stayed there forever. <laughs> but, and then one and then one day, a headhunter drove in the yard in Texas, and he says, uh, you need to be on a plane to St. Louis day after tomorrow, because we got a fellow who wants to hire you. I said, holy hell. <laughs> so I did, and... Uh, and this guy just bought a huge, huge ranch at, at uh, close to Steamboat Springs, Colorado. And it was 200,000 acres and around 7,000 yearlings. And he wanted to make it a, a, a big game hunting and fly fishing operation. So I, I ended up there for 12 years and, and, you know, made some money. The guy treated me right and we built the ranch up. And, and uh, yeah, I had... Uh, 80 employees before it was over with, and that kind of screwed things up because when I went there, I was I got to ride. At the end, it was more managing people than managing ranches. But right, did you all? It was. It was. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, did you all handle the hunting part of it too, or did you contract that out? We, how did that work? No. Well, it was contracted out when I got there, and kind of a little chicken shit operation. So I let the guy finish that year that I got there, and I said, "No, you're done." And we started our own uh, big game hunting operation. That's 5,000 elk on the ranch in the fall of the year. Craziness. We were right in the middle of their migration, right. coming out of their summer grounds, uh, you know, headed towards winter. And, um, you know, I didn't, uh, you know, I hunted my whole life. I didn't know a dang thing about outfitting. And so um, I, we got these, we got uh, 50 licenses for big, for bull elk. Oh, what the hell I was going to do with them? We missed all the big shows, couldn't get to them. And, because they were all over by the time we decided to do this. So I called Cabela's and I got a hold of one of the owners. There was a couple brothers there at the time and they bought 40 of them tags right there. Said, we'll take them. So I'm sitting back in my chair. I'm thinking, well, this outfitting business ain't too hard. Just one phone call. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and it, uh, it, it, you know, it was the first year. Cabela's filled us up, filled us up that first year. And, um, before it was over with, we, uh, we were taking 90 bull elk and, 25 mule deer and 20 antelope and then, and, uh, guaranteed tags. And, you know, if you couldn't kill a bull out there, you just couldn't shoot. Right. And, um, and then the owner, he wanted first class accommodations for him. Uh, and so we started out with, with what I thought was pretty nice. And then he said, we're going to build a lodge. And I said, okay. So, uh, we traded around, got some land on the, we were right on the Wyoming, Colorado border. We didn't want to build it in Colorado because the taxes were so damn high. And the land we wanted to build it on was in Wyoming. So we made a huge land trade with the state of Wyoming and we give them some, some of our deeded land out on the desert between the uh, bags and Rollins, Wyoming that they wanted real bad for wildlife. And we got our site to put the lodge on. We ended up building a 35,000 square foot lodge 
I wrote checks for $35 million. <laughs> now that's a thousand dollars a square foot. So you know how high end that thing was. Wow. Is there enough and room? There, and, and, and there was only 15, only 15 bedrooms. Wow. So, uh, so, you know, these guys come got their bull elk and they got treated well while they were there. You know, it wasn't free. It's pretty expensive to hunt right. with us, but we, we didn't have any trouble filling it up. And then we had 16 miles of the Little Snake River run right through the ranch and no access. You know, in uh-huh. Colorado, if you own both sides of the river, you own the whole thing. Right. And, and so um, uh, David Pratt was a guy's name from St. Louis. And he decided, we're going to fix this river. And I thought, okay, <laughs> whatever you want to do. So uh, we rebuilt the entire 16 miles of river. I mean, when we got done, it was Disneyland fishing. Wow. Uh, you know, we, we, we put the river back to what it might have looked like 100 years previous before, you know, people overgrazed the banks and mm-hmm. eroded. Mm-hmm. And so we got that river back the way it was supposed to. We lowered the temperature of the water. Uh, because uh, we we narrowed the river and deepened the water and and uh, the fishing was absolutely fantastic, absolutely. And so you know, fly fishing ended up being our biggest enterprise. You know, and then elk hunting was second, and the poor old cows, the yearling operation, that was third, and we still run seven, eight thousand yearlings every year, and had about twelve hundred mother cows. So it's pretty it's it's a pretty big deal. I enjoyed it. There. It was a good time. Well, I imagine it sounded like paradise to me. It was, and then my wife made me leave. She came up to me one day. She came up to me one day. And she said, "Jay, you've lived your your dream thirty years, and it's my turn." Yeah. I said, "Okay." So off we went to Cody, Wyoming. We bought an Italian restaurant. <laughs> you talk about culture shock. I imagine. <laughs> but she uh, she she was a trained uh, Italian Mediterranean chef. We had worked in restaurants off and on her whole life and never owned the restaurant. She decided it was time. So that's where we lived. And it was a, we had a really good business. It was an Italian steakhouse. Uh, I wanted to put a little cowboy touch on it because it was in Cody, Wyoming. So if you look at the country of Italy, it looks like a boot. So I put a spur on it. <laughs> and that was our, that was our logo. I like it. But. Is it still there? Yeah, we had a good we had a good time there. We owned it nine years, made a good living, sold it right. Yeah, been retired ever since. So it's still there. The restaurant is. Oh, it's well, it's been four or five different restaurants now. You know, oh, yeah. that restaurant business that's tough. You know, it's twenty four seven deal. You might as well own a damn milk cow because you can't get away from her either. <laughs> but you know, we was we was there every day, all day long. But we made it work. Yeah, yeah. We made some money. Wow. Yeah. What about that big ranch in Colorado? Did it get all broke up? No, it's still there. Uh, as it turns out, uh, David had uh, two children, a son and a daughter. Well, the daughter wanted to be the manager in the worst way, and she couldn't manage a one-car funeral, so she didn't last long. <laughs> and then I guess his son's there managing it now, and it's bigger and better than it ever was. I, you know, they partnered with the Mayo Clinic out of Rochester, New York, and now they got a big wellness clinic there as well. What's it called? So, the ranch. Three Forks, Three Forks Ranch. Three Fork, the, the Lodge and Spa at Three Forks Ranch. Uh, I've heard of it. It's a big. It's a big deal. It's yeah. It's it's as high end as it gets. It's a Ritz Carlton sitting in the middle uh-huh. of a cattle ranch in Wyoming. I'll never stay there, but I, I've heard of it. I'm sure. Well, if you got if you got about fifteen hundred a day, you can go right, there and stay right. as long as you want. Well, I can stay about a half a day. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, you'd, you know, you'd be surprised how many people 
have so much money that that doesn't pay. Oh me. yeah, shoot yeah. You know, and we got uh, David owned part of the St. Louis Cardinals, so we got a lot of the big, uh, a lot of the big baseball players. Uh, uh, Lasorda was there. Uh, no, yeah, what the hell was that? La Rosa was there, yeah, Tony uh, the manager. Yeah. Uh, Coach Coach Bobby Knight, we couldn't chase him away with a stick. He's a big fly fisherman. Yeah, he loved to fish. And you know, started out started out, he'd call and, and see if we had room for him. Towards the end, he'd just show up. Yeah, you know, <laughs> we had a room. We had a room. Sometimes he stayed in my house, but we became good good friends and fished together and bullshitted a lot together. Right. Yeah, and he he just passed away here yeah. a month or so ago. He sure did. Oh, I didn't even hear yeah. that. Yeah, he died here a couple months ago. Holy moly! Yeah, he and he 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 had a pretty bad case of dementia there towards the end, and and him and his wife Karen moved back to Indiana, and and he just kind of stayed there until it got done with him. Yeah, but huh. well, that gun. What were you like? Uh, how old were you? Were you ever around your uncles a lot? much your great uncles you know i wasn't um um I, doug was doug was still alive right. while i was a kid he, him and his wife noreen who was a country western singer they owned a bar at red lodge montana they partnered with my granddad john so i was around them too a little uh, bill every once in a while he'd come into belfry but bill drank a little and he kind of had a mean streak and us kids kind of hid from him yeah you know so, so i really didn't know him much um, the other brothers, Bud, uh, Bud never came back to Bell for your red line. So I, that I know of when I was there. Yeah. Um, but I was six, seven years old when he died. And of course, Bill died in that airplane crash in 1965. I think I was 12 years old then. And then there was another brother. His name was Lup and I never knew him. He died before I was born. He, he, I guess he was starting a rodeo career and uh, he died of an appendicitis attack. They couldn't get him to Billings, but Red Lodge couldn't handle it. So they threw him in a car, uh, brother Doug and Noreen threw him in a car to drive to Billings and he died before they got there. Wow. But, uh, he, he was my dad's favorite brother uh, of, of the five brothers. Mm -hmm. Luck was, was the one my dad liked the most. But, but uh, you know, this is, as the story goes, um, a lot of people will tell you that of the two that rodeoed, Bud and Bill, Bud was the better hand, but Bud didn't care. You know, he was he was in the life for the fun side of it. Bill was a little more business. He took care of things and, you know, won five or six world champions, championships. And, uh, you, know, uh, you know, Bud won one, but might have won more if he had paid attention. Yeah, but, he, he had a lot yeah. of fun, didn't he? Oh my God! I wish I get, wish I would have known him. You know, he got inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2016 as well, same year Scotty did. Right. And of course, there are very few of the Slendermans left, so I got tapped to do the, to, you know, to do the reception speech for Scotty and Bud. And uh, you know, so I had to study up a little because you know I knew a little bit about Bud, what my family did, but some of the stories about that guy, he just. Unbelievable the things he'd get done. Oh, I know it. Uh, he liked to fight a little bit too, didn't he? Or didn't mind to oh fight? Oh my god! I guess he was dirty, double tough. Dirty, <laughs> I mean, and liked it. Right. Liked it. In fact, you know, I don't remember the year, but it was in Madison Square Garden, New York City. After the rodeo, they went to a bar downtown, someplace, 
and there was a undercover detective there, and they uh, moaning at each other who was the toughest. And for some reason, this undercover cop pulled out a pistol. Well, Bud proceeded to take the pistol away from him, beat the hell out of him with it, and the next day the cop died. And I mean, you know, New York City cops, they were coming after him. They wanted they wanted blood from Bud. Well, luckily enough, Benny Binion, who ended up on the Horseshoe Club in, in uh, Las Vegas, uh, was friends with Bud, got him a lawyer, and got him out of there. They 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 dropped the charges uh, and called it self defense, which probably was. And uh, Bud ended up in Vegas there for a few years dealing cards for Benny to pay the bill. I think, <laughs> but just just dirty double tough, you know. And then some of the stories about that guy. One year in Madison Square Garden, they had Gene Autry as the guest uh, performer. And the Cowboys were mad because Gene got paid a lot, and they you know the Cowboys added money was pretty low. Right. Well, Bud spent a couple t- couple a couple days in the rafters of his hotel catching pigeons and putting them in a gunny sack. And one night, while Gene was down in the middle of the arena doing his uh, his uh, roping and riding act, Bud was up there in the rafters above him. And at one point in the act, Gene got up standing in his saddle. And Bud turned them pigeons loose. Of course, you can imagine. You can imagine the wreck. Gene landed on his butt in the middle of the arena, and I, you know, I, I don't, I don't think Gene or uh, Bud ended up spending any time in jail for that. But I guess it was absolutely hilarious. But, <laughs> yeah, I imagine. Yeah. No, he's uh, st- the stories about him. There's just, there's just no end. You know, there's know. there was there was there was a cowboy. Uh, his name was Pete Crump, dirty double cuff bull rider. Yeah, Never won a world championship, but should have. And he and he liked to fight. Well, Billings, Montana, one year they decided the two of them was going to have a matched boxing match. And of course, Pete he was training, running miles a day, and you know getting in shape. And Bud was drinking beer. Well, Bud wasn't sure he could whip him. So so Bud was watching, you know, Pete's uh, exercise program. And one day at the end of the program, Bud drove up to where Pete got done running, jumped out of the car, beat the shit out of him right there. And Pete was so damn tired, he couldn't fight. <laughs> so Yeah, he caught him tired, didn't he? Yeah, caught him, caught him on a, uh, at the right time, I right, guess. Right. You know, I've uh, heard. Boy, they, they like to chase the girls, too. You know, I, I remember reading stories about him and some of those guys and stuff they got into, Todd Watley and... Buck Rutherford and some of those guys, man. Yeah, tough bunch of guys. Yeah, tough bunch of guys. Yeah, boy, boy. You know they give a yeah. Linderman Award every year, and it's named after Bill Bill Linderman. What is that, Jimbo? Well, uh, you have to, I think, three or more events, and one of them has to be rough stock. You have to win a thousand dollars in three or more events, and and one of them has to be rough stock. And it has to have a tight event and rough stuff. Right, right. Yeah, tight event. The true all around. Yeah, true all around. Both ends of the arena. And uh, he, I think he was probably, uh, they started after he died, I'm thinking, wasn't it, Jay? It was. Yeah, I, I I don't remember who started the PRCA, but who who was the lead guy that put that together? I'm not sure. It was a pretty prestigious award. 
It is, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, the Cowboys that win it, it's pretty coveted, you know, there's, there's some guys that have really gone after it. You know, Benny Reynolds from Montana, he won the first one and that was in 1966. That was about a year after Bill died and Benny won the first one. And there's been some, some really tough hands, you know, win it in the, in, over the years. You know, for quite a few years, the Whitakers out in Nebraska, they kind of had a stranglehold on it. Yeah. Uh, first chip, I think he won four or five. And then, and then Kyle Whitaker, he won 10 of them. Right. I know. He won 10 of them. I and I got to know, I got to know Kyle a little bit. In fact, is he gave us, loaned us one of his Linderman buckles to display at our restaurant, Cody. Hmm. And then uh, now Kyle's a rodeo coach at Montana State University. You don't see guys like that any much anymore, Jay. You know, both ends of the arena, or even there's multiple events like you used to. Why yeah. is that? Yeah, everybody. Well, I think now. it's well. I think I think it's because the events themselves have gotten tougher, and it's gotten harder to to enter a rodeo and and get in the timed events and ride events, get up at the right mm-hmm. time so you can get on to another rodeo. You know. Uh, early on, you know, there weren't that many rodeos, and those guys could enter two or three or four or five events. But you don't see that anymore. You know, uh, Josh Josh Frost kind of does it now. You know, his focus is bull riding, of course. Sure. But, uh, you know, he'll sneak off to some of them smaller California rodeos and, and rope calves and, and bulldog uh, just to get enough money to win that award and been very successful at it. I think this was his fourth or fifth or sixth when he won this year. Right, right. Yeah. Do you watch much rodeo now, Jay? Oh God! Thank God for the Cowboy Channel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We t- we tend to watch that as much as we can. You know, especially when those these big Texas rodeos are on, and and you know you get it in the fall into the Big Four. We we, we kind of tend to migrate towards the TV and of course the National Finals rodeo. You know, we went. We used to go every other year, or damn near every year to. Vegas to the NFR, but you know what? The seats are better in my recliner than any seat in that arena. Oh yeah, you don't have to fight the crowd or nothing. Shoot you. Yeah, and that you know that cooler of beers right there within arm's reach. Right, right, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, there's sure been a lot of changes in rodeo. I mean, the money's good, that's for sure. But they, what do you think about the no average deal? You know. But- about where they don't have an average hardly at most of these big rodeos anymore. Yeah, they don't. You know, and and, and I think that I think that probably keeps some of the better hands from winning more of the money. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's funny. Uh, Steve Kenyon, who used to work for the rodeo or the Cowboy Channel, he was announcing the Mile City Bucket Horse Sale, and I was there doing some promo work, uh, fundraising for the Montana Pro Rodeo Hall and Wall of Fame. And he wanted to do an interview. So here he comes. And uh, and he, uh, we're going through this interview, and he says, now, Jay, you're a linderman. How come you didn't go down the road? And I said, well, I'll tell you what, Steve. I could bulldog pretty damn good back then. And I could beat anybody on a given day. I said, there just weren't enough given days. You know, I had to go to work. Yeah. <laughs> and I, you know, I enjoyed rodeo. I had a good time at it. Do overs, I'd do it again. But uh, you know, I, 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 looking back at my career in the in the managing large cattle ranches for absentee owners, it was it was a good living. It was a good living. I bet it was. Yeah. What about that plane crash that killed Bill? How'd that go down? 
I've heard some well, stories on it. He was headed somewhere in the Northwest to give a speech to a rodeo committee or something. At the time, I think he was a secretary treasurer of the PRCA. And, you know, by then, you know, Bill was Bill. Was Bill. He had a, you know, a huge following, huge stature, done a lot of great things for the PRCA. And the plane happened to have, it was a layover in Salt Lake City. And somehow the plane caught on fire as it landed. Now the story goes that Bill got out of the plane safely, unhurt, and went back in trying to help some of the people that were still stuck on the plane, and, and that's where he died. The fact is they found his, the reason, the reason they identified him, they uh, found his melted uh, buckle that he had on. But, uh, you know, there's a strange story behind that. You know, the, the, the day before he left, uh, and, and he flew out of Denver, but there was a bar and a restaurant there called the Pig and Whistle, and I was there a couple times, just a just a joint. But it was you know Bill spent quite a bit of time there, and he had to, he went in there and he was going to get write a check for some cash for twenty dollars, and the guy said, "Well, you got to have your address on there." So in that little empty line in the lower left hand corner of the check, uh, Bill wrote "Heaven," and the next day he died. Isn't that something? Yeah, yeah. I'd heard kinda. that before, you know. I was going to ask you yeah. about that. That kind of gives you goosebumps, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. He was yeah. beloved by the RCA. I mean, he was president for how many times? Six six or seven times, wasn't he? I think he was the president from 1950 to 1957. Yeah. And and he refused, he refused to run again. And, and, and it was a couple of years later that he was a secretary treasurer. But what's interesting is he, he was a president until 1957. The first NFR was in 1959. Right. And Bill, Bill qualified in the steer wrestling for the finals in 1959. But he passed up the chance to compete so that he could be the arena director. He wanted to make sure the rodeo went off the way it was supposed to. Yeah, yeah. So he, uh, you know, he gave a lot back to rodeo. He's a pretty amazing man. He he pushed that NFR too, didn't he? One of the main ones pushing for it. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He, you know, he was one of the founders of that that first NFR in 1959. Yeah, and you know, of course, from there on, it just got bigger and bigger. I think the first one was in Dallas. It was in Los Angeles for a while, and of course, the big run in Oklahoma City. But yeah. I always heard there was a one or two on the board that was always against the NFR because they thought that the that any rodeo was supposed to be open to all members, you know, and they you didn't know, that like was, the idea. Yeah, yeah, and you know that's still a big that's still an underlying pin for the PRCA. They they hesitate even the big spring rodeos in Texas. You know, everybody don't get to go. Right. I know. But you know they they they've kind of come to an understanding that, you know, some of them, most of them big rodeos have qualifying rodeos where anybody can enter and you get a chance to, to, to win one of those slots at the big rodeo. And that's how they came to an understanding. Uh, but that's how, that's how the PRCA kept them big Texas rodeos in, uh, uh, in the PRCA. Cause you know, early on, you know, when dad was going to those rodeos, there'd be 250 bulldoggers, you know, slack, Slack went for days and days and days, and and uh, you know it was one head in the final. 
And, you know, them committees, you know, Slack don't pay very good. Don't, don't bring a lot of, sell a lot of tickets. So they, they, they needed some way to figure out how to cut the numbers of Cowboys down. And that's, that was the conclusion they came to. Right. But. And that finals has been the biggest thing that's ever happened to rodeo. Probably. I mean, it just gets bigger and bigger, especially when it went to Las Vegas and, and that's just crazy. And it's been great for the Cowboys. So it's, it's a resounding success for sure, but there was a little opposition to it. You wouldn't have thought so now, but there actually was a little opposition to it. Yep. You know, and, and, you know, here in the last few years, there's been some rumblings about trying to get it back to Texas. Well, you know what? I don't think Texas can compete with the money at Las Vegas. No, I don't either. Just no way. No. I think that didn't they just sign another 12-year deal with Las Vegas they, this they, last national finals, I yeah, think. Yeah, I think so. Too. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, this this coming weekend, they got the Super Bowl in Vegas. Right. Well, if you talk to the locals down there, the NFR is a way bigger deal than the Super Bowl could ever be because the finals goes on 10 days and, yeah. and the uh, Super Bowl is one day. Yeah, it's the biggest event they have every year is what I've always heard. Yeah, yeah. at a time of year that was pretty slow for them. I've been out there lots of times during the finals and never never went to the finals, but there's cowboys and dually pickups and cowboy hats everywhere. And a lot of them oh, don't even go to the finals. You know, I used to think – People went to Vegas for the rodeo, went to the rodeo, but more than half of them don't ever go to the rodeo. You know, they're just out one, there. one year. My wife and I went down there just to go to the trade show. Yeah, you just go to the trade show and you can watch it. Yeah, we ended we ended up sneaking into one performance, but yeah. uh, fell into some tickets. But yeah. we didn't go down there to go to the rodeo. Right, I know it's crazy, but I think that Bill's death. You know, there's been several tragedies in rodeo, but uh, maybe Clyde Burke got killed. You know, roping cat or bulldogging in Denver, and he was a world champ. Fritz Truen got killed at Iwo Jima, Cody. He was an yeah. all-around champion, and that shook the rodeo world. And of course, Lane Frost, but then Bill Linderman dying in that plane crash was right up there with him. It just shook rodeo to its core, I think. Yeah, yeah. I I I was old enough to remember the funeral. We had it in the basketball gym at Belfry, Montana, and you you couldn't find a place to sit down. It was it was crazy. You know, and every world's champion, every rodeo person that was ever, you know, big in rodeo was there. Right. And uh, it was it was a big deal. Oh, I'm I'm sure it was. Because he he'd give so much to rodeo. Even got an award yeah. named after him now, so he, he at least his legacy lives on. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's a good thing. That's a good thing. You know, he's. He won a world championship in one or three world championships in one year. One in the bulldog and one in the uh, bronc riding, and of course he won the all round. And you know that doesn't happen very often anymore. No, he was the first one to win three world championships, I think, in the same year. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and the fact that it was a riding event and a time event, you know, just made yeah. it that much more special. Right. And, you know, that's where they got the basis to form the the, the Bill Linderman Award. Sure. And that reminds me, I had a trivia question the other day was who the first RCA all-around champion was, and it was Todd Watley in 1947. But they had, in 45 and 46, they did not crown an all-around champion for some unknown reason. Did you ever get to the bottom of that or figure that out? Well, Jim, you know, I've I've done some homework. I still haven't got the answer. But what's, you know, the, the RAA, Rodeo Association of America, the IRA, which was the International Rodeo Association, were, were big at that time. And the RCA, 
uh, was just coming on board. Mm-hmm. And the RAA became the RCA. And for some reason, they there was a squabble over the world champ or the all around world championships in nineteen forty five, forty six, and forty seven. So I called Pro Rodeo Hall of Fame, Colorado Springs. I said, "Hey, what happened?" Of course, they got a historian archivist there, and she didn't have a clue. You know, she's probably thirty years old. Right. This was eight, never, almost never eight years of, ago. Never even heard of a Letterman problem. <laughs> but you know, she, you know, she, she I, 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 I set the hook. She got interested. And she was going to look, see how big of a chore it was going to be, and and see go back into those old uh, rodeo magazines, and and see what happened. But uh, I, I think it was some political BS going on between those three associations at the time that caused that to happen. Because if you'll go, if you'll take a look at the pro at the uh, Cowboy Hall of Fame in Oklahoma City. They named Bill Linderman as the all-around world's champion in 1945. It's right there in everything they've printed about Bill. But for some reason, the PR or the RCA backed away. Hmm. And, and I don't know the reason. I know Bill won the RAA all-around world's champion that year. He had 16,000 points. Hmm. But the RAA didn't count added, added entry fees. Right. And the RCA did. That might have been the squabble, caused some confusion as to who won and who didn't. But uh, I, I, I think that uh, that Bill got cheated out of the 1945 championship and Gene Rambo got cheated out of the 1946 championship. Now, what happened in 1947, and this little gal at Colorado Springs knew it, she said there was a big anonymous donor gave a bunch of money to the PRCA if they would name Todd Watley the all-around world's champion for 1947 because he had rightly won it by points. But because of this squabble, they didn't name him. So the RCA, it looks to me like, liked money better than historical integrity and and gave uh, named Todd Watley that world's champion in 1947. So, you know, there's some, there, there's some mystery uh, with the whole damn thing. I don't know if I'll ever find out, but I'm stirring the pot. We'll see what rises to the top. Well, you need to because they need to make that right, and it wouldn't be that big a deal. All they got to do is go back and count points. I mean, it's right there That's right. in front of them. They crown champions in the other events. It ain't like they got to come up with the money to buy two all-around world no, championship no. buckles because both those guys are dead. Right. <laughs> And their family, yeah. if they want to, you know, I went through the same thing with my grandfather. He won the first national finals steer open, uh, and they didn't give a buckle till 1962. This was 1959 when he won it. And I called up there to see why they didn't give a buckle or if they would help get him a buckle. I wanted to get a buckle made. And, uh, sure. and they didn't, uh, they, they couldn't, wouldn't help financially, but they did okay it to use their uh, logo and, and use this, uh, same people yeah. that may, you know that were making their buckles so i got an exact same buckle made uh with the rca on it and all that and uh, it's here in the museum but yeah. uh they were well, like i said they didn't pay for it but at least i got a buckle out of it yeah well you know i i i'd known of this situation back in the 40s for years never thought about it and then you know i'm retired and i ain't got much to do and looking for something to do so i thought well what the hell and um and, and and if I don't do it, I'm the last one in my family that gives a damn about 
rodeo. Sure. So if I, if I can't get it done and you know, I'm kind of getting older and, and if I don't, if, if I can't find the answer the answer will never be found. Yeah, that's right. So the pressure's on you, Jay. <laughs> yeah, I bet the PR, I bet the PRCA and the Hall of Fame Colorado Springs wish I'd go get a job. <laughs> yeah, probably. You're asking too many questions. Oh shoot! Yeah, you know, one time, you know how he got headhunted for that job, Jimbo. Yeah, I got headhunted one time, but they wanted my actual head. They, they wanted your head. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a little, little different, Cody. <laughs> Well, that, that was some old gal from back in one night in the bar. She's looking for your head. Yeah. Maybe. Could be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jay, if you were making a Mount Rushmore of, of rodeo cowboys, who would you put on it? Need four names. Oh, my God. You know, Jim Shoulders, probably Bill. Um, uh, God, how do you – what do you do with it? A Ty Murray and a Trevor Brazil. You might have to have more than four heads. No, you only have four. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, you know, then I guess uh, I guess you you put. Well, you go back in the past. You got to have Jim Shoulders there, and you got to have uh, you got to have Bill. And then if you only can have four, then you got to pick Trevor and and uh, and uh, Ty Murray. I mean, my God, their records. But but I mean, right below them. There's another 15 guys. Well, you got Larry Mahan. Oh, God, yeah. How do you not put him up there? And you can't just, might not want to just go by championships. If you're just going by popularity, you'd almost have to have Casey Tibbs on there. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's right. on the cover of Life magazine. What about Ferguson? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's hard Tough to do. Field. It's hard to pick four. I'd, I'd probably have to put Casey Tibbs on any Mount Rushmore. Probably, you probably have to. He's pretty iconic. Yeah, he, he yeah. was so big back then. He was another one. There yeah, I'm, stories I'm, on. I'm I'm glad I can't be held to that answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're sure. I don't know if those guys today are are quite as exciting as they were back then. You reckon they're more they're they're more business like today? I think. Yeah, they probably are. But boy, you watch Stetson Wright. You know, and and, and uh, you know, I'm a rodeo fan, and, and he's my favorite. And he might not be flashy, but uh, I mean, honest, a good kid that's damn sure tough. You know, I I, I watched uh, the finals in uh, Fort Worth the other night on the Cowboy Channel, and I watched the the bareback riding. And you know, Rocker, I I, I I've got mixed feelings about him. Damn sure can ride a bareback horse. Sure. I'm not sure he's the best one out there. That night they scored him high. But there's a little kid from Montana. His name's Sam Peterson. And he made the most picture-perfect bareback riding on on his horse, on an awesome horse. Didn't score. I mean, the, he didn't even place. And, and I'm, I, it's, it's my belief. It's personal belief. And I don't care who the hell likes it or not. But they're giving Rocker two or three points. Yeah. Just because of the flash. I called Sam up the other day. I said, you know, if you'd wear your hair longer and act like an asshole, you'd get more points. You know, when but, that hat comes off immediately and then that hair gets flopping and those shafts get to flopping, he is pretty pretty flashy. Oh, he, my he goodness. There's, oh, there's something. You know, he's going five different, different directions at once. Right. Damn sure lay back and spur one. Yeah. But, uh, well, the only time know, we've I, ever been around him is they were – 
His dad and granddad just happened to get inducted in the Cowboy Hall of Fame the same weekend as Jimbo's granddad. Oh, yeah. And I was there with with him, and we got to meet him a few times, and he sure did seem like a nice kid. He didn't seem like – You know, and I've heard that. I've heard that. You know, my dad was kind of finishing up rodeo about the time his granddad was going, and, uh, uh, you know, dad said Tommy Steiner was a nice guy. You know, the bulldogger, he kind of, he was a little wild and frilly, but, you know, he could damn sure bulldog. Yeah. World uh, champ. Yeah. Yeah. Well, is that all you got for him today, Jimbo? Well, man, like I say, uh, just a, an iconic family. And, and uh, are you the last Linderman man? You said there wasn't very many. Lift. Well, you know, Bill Linderman had a daughter. Okay. Uh, her name was Charlotte. Uh, I think she married a guy by the name of Jay Parsons. They live in California someplace. Mm-hmm. And they had two sons. I've never met them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I heard that they were bull riders. Uh, you know, didn't, didn't last very long, didn't win a lot. So they're still around somewhere. They'd be 40-ish by now, I suppose. Right. Uh, they're, they're so they're still out there. Do what, Pardon? Maybe? I said their last name would be Parsons, though. Yeah. Last name would be Parsons, but they'd be Bill Enderman's grandsons. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the rest of Bill's kids, uh, there was a stepdaughter, Mike. I lost complete track of her. I don't know where she's at. Um, Bill had a son. He died before he turned 30. Um, You know, there just ain't many of us left anymore. Um, You know, and I didn't grow up around there, guys. You know, Walter rodeoed pretty hard there for years and years. And of course, that's around him a lot. We put on some steer wrestling schools, and and that's. I'm not sure I learned how to bulldog, or if it just was kind of osmosis and it just absorbed into me. But uh, I think it was Walter's excuse to try to kill me <laughs> on the bulldog at schools. <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I I wasn't the right size. I, I barely stand five nine, and the, you know the guys that was winning most of the money was six two to six five, and. Uh, I enjoyed it. They only let me win a couple buckles and a couple saddles. And, you know, I got some college scholarship money out of it. But you know, it's funny. Uh, for a long time, my goal in the steer wrestling was to catch a steer long enough to get a picture. <laughs> well, so that happened. And I had to raise my goals to, well, let's see if I can win a buckle. Yeah. And so I bulldogged for 13, 14 years. And Dad and I would put on them bulldogging schools twice a year. We must have put them on for 10 years or so. And uh, he kind of pioneered those steer, steer wrestling schools back then. And, and we had a lot of kids and, and a lot of success. You know, we had quite a few NFR qualifiers make the, or come to our schools. And, but once, uh, you know, once that got over, I, I quit bulldogging in 1984. And, you know, like I said, I went to work for a living. Yeah. But... What was it like always a rodeo at- fan, always will be. Yeah. What's it like to bulldog at Cheyenne? It's craziness. Absolute craziness. You know, back then the score was 30 foot. Now they shortened it up to 20. That helped a little, but it's still a wild event. Oh, my God. You know, and and, and, and Dad would take Scotty there, and, and I – you know, if I'd have been managing Scotty, there wouldn't have been near as many people riding him. But Walter said, I'll mount every cat in the alley well, as long as he could make that mount money. Yeah. And uh, too many at a rodeo like that. You know, and Pendleton was the same way. 
You know, you got that long score. You come up over that hill and down the hill to catch the steer. At Pendleton, either my dad or Scotty come away crippled every year. Every year. And, uh, you know, some of that could have been solved by not putting so many people on Scotty's back. I wouldn't have done it. But he was his middle ticket, though, wasn't he? Well, he was, I guess, yes. But it's it's my guess that if Walter wouldn't have mounted so many of them guys, he might have won more world championships, too. Yeah. You know, because everybody that was winning in world championships was was riding Scotty. Yeah. You know, and dad ended up second three times and third twice. Right. You know, and, and, uh, of course, that wasn't the only reason he didn't win the world's championship. Walter had a little trouble managing business, but uh, oh, you know, I like to he put in all that work and all that effort. I'd like to see him win at least one, but that that didn't happen. Yeah, just way to go three three runner ups is pretty impressive, though. Your uncle yeah. Joe can feel that feel his pain, can he? Yeah, Jumbo. yeah, two runner ups, sure can. His his uncle was a two time runner up. Once was just ninety four dollars, nineteen sixty one. But well, shoot, we sure appreciate you coming on today and sharing some of the stories about you and your family with us today. Well, it's been a pleasure talking to you guys. Uh, you know, I'm I'm pretty proud of the family legacy. I I didn't contribute much to it, but I, I I'm still pretty proud of what those guys did back then, and enjoy visiting with uh, about them and talking to people about them and. You know, I guess that's how come I'm chasing to try to figure out what happened to Bill's all-around championship in 1945. Yeah, so, and you're, uh, you're contributing to the legacy by, by doing podcasts like this, and you were on the Cowboys, you know, just getting it out there and keeping it alive, and that's what we're all about here at the Ben Johnson Cowboy yep. Museum is keeping the old history alive and, and not letting people forget those old-timers. Well, you yeah, since finding out about you guys, you've made my bucket list. We're going to show up there one of these days. Oh, that'd be great. Love to have you. <laughs> it's 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 about time for a road trip. You bet. You bet. Well, there's not a better place to come than Pahuska, Oklahoma, right here. Yeah. Yeah. I've never been there, but we'll get there. Yes, okay. sir. Well, I look forward to it. Well, Mr. Linderman, we sure appreciate you coming on, and it's just been a great day. Uh, thank you guys very much. Okay. Holler at me anytime, Jay. You got my number. Bye. Okay. We'll see you. Bye. Ooh, Jimbo, that was a good podcast, oh, yeah. wasn't it? Excellent. Linderman. Linderman, don't get any bigger than that. That's the same as a Tibbs or yeah. something. Yeah. Or you know, Tibbs. I mean, it's just as big. Yeah. Shoulders. Linderman. There's the yeah. big I mean, award named after him and everything. It just. Yeah. And the brother was big, too. Yeah. And yeah. his dad, I didn't even realize his dad was such a great bulldogger. Yeah. Such yeah. a great rodeo family. I know. I know. Don't want to forget their name. No. Nope. All right, everybody. Be sure to share it. Leave us a comment. We appreciate it. And uh, we'll see you all next week.